Listening to another episode of Books and Oba, a book club and podcast featuring books by Asian and Asian American authors. My name is Marvin Yu. And I'm Rira Yu. And we are here for our October mid month <laughs> episode 2019. I was. We forgot what month it was yeah. for a brief second. You know, September was really, really busy. I was just traveling. The, I mean, we, we went over this the last time. You're always traveling. Yeah. I feel like every episode we're just like, so Marvin, you're <laughs> finally back. Um, but yeah, I was just in Seattle this past weekend enjoying. It was a really nice weekend. The sun was out. It was the first time I've been in Seattle where it didn't rain once and I actually saw the sky and it's really beautiful. Um, and then I come back to our home state where everything is on fire. Yep. <laughs> yep. And uh, San Francisco has been, you know, with yeah, there was an earthquake last night. Power outages. Yeah, things things are a mess here in the Golden State. Yeah, Seattle's uh, actually my favorite city in America. Is it? Yes. What, what about it? I mean, I really love rain, <laughs> and um, I don't know. There's there's like a really nice mix of like modern, like modernity, and also like this artistic vibe of the city mm. i think it's also like the most talented people i know in my social circles are from seattle oh and i feel like that city just has like great music and it's just a really beautiful city yeah um we were staying near the new amazon campus so i was able to walk around the um headquarters of our future corporate overlords so that was yeah. fun too I mean, that that's like the sad part of Seattle, though, <laughs> because uh, like there are so many techies now and they've just kind of taken over the neighborhood. And a lot of the <laughs> uh, gentrification is making uh, artists like find new places to live, which is unfortunate. It was just so on the nose, too. I don't know if you've seen pictures of the new Amazon building. I saw it when it was in construction. But they're like black tinted windows with like gold accents oh, it sounds looks, really gross it looks like future empire for oh, sure so like pretty much like what game designers would would put in like their uh yeah like steampunk world or like um dystopian cyberpunk like this is the area where you go and do your like heist jobs um yeah well i'm glad to be back and um thank you Riva, for as always, for compiling this month's book news for our mid-month episode. Um, before we get to that, though, a quick reminder, and we'll remind you again at the end of the episode, um, that our October 2019 book club pick is Summer of Big Bocce by Naomi Hirahara. And uh, I have not started yet, so I need to, I need to get going. It's, it's a very short novel. Yeah. So uh, it should be an easy read. Um, I'm sure we'll have lots to talk about. <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking forward to it because it's it's set locally. It's written by a local author. And from what I know about it, I know it's it's going to be fun. So um, excited about that. But yeah, let's get to the mid-month book news. Uh, Rira, why don't you start us off? All right. Scholastic and Chicken House acquired rights to K-pop Confidential by Stefan Lee, uh, who is a Bustle senior editor and former Entertainment Weekly editor. In Lee's YA debut, a Korean-American teen travels to Seoul in hopes of debuting in a girl group at the same K-pop agency behind the biggest boy band on the planet. 
The book will be published simultaneously in the U.S. and U.K. in fall 2020. I wonder how candid this will be. Like, would this be like a glorification of the K-pop system? No, I, like I real... honestly <laughs> don't think so. <laughs> well, it's called K-pop Confidential. Yeah, there there are a lot of K-pop. Uh, YA books that are coming out in 2020 and 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Maureen Gu's uh, book had a K-pop star. And right. uh, that came out like a couple months ago. And it's nice because they're being written by Korean Americans. Um, as a K-pop fan, I am cautiously optimistic <laughs> because there are – it's so easy to just do like a generalization of right. the K-pop industry. And uh, I think there is like a lot of – politics in it that a lot of uh international fans might not know about yeah and it's a ya book so i imagine it's coming of age yeah. there might be romance and you know um, i i wonder how like you said candid it will be right like i said cautiously optimistic <laughs> yeah. about it but congratulations to stefan lee yeah uh, we're gonna go back to this k-pop topic at the uh, end of our book deal news. <laughs> Marvin, if you can go on to the second piece of book deal news. Yeah. Next up, Dial Books bought the sequel to Adib Khorram's debut novel, Darius the Great is Not Okay, our book symbol by March 2019 pick, uh, titled Darius the Great Deserves Better. The novel follows Darius after his life-changing trip to Iran. He has his first boyfriend, a dream internship, a soccer team full of new friends, but he still feels like something is amiss. Publication is slated for fall 2020. Are you excited for this I am sequel? very, very <laughs> excited for this. I loved uh, Darius the Great is Not Okay. Um, even though I am like uh, not the demographic for it because it is a young adult novel. But uh, I related a lot to it. And I'm really glad that there is a sequel to uh yeah. to Adib Koram's debut novel. I remember the book touches a lot on like destigmatizing like depression and mental health too. And I think having that as a like, yeah. uh, a sequel to that. Um, it, it's nice because it wasn't like we mentioned this in our in our uh, March 2019 mm-hmm. episode, but um, I liked how it wasn't like a mental health book. It was yeah. it was definitely more of like a coming of age story. Um where you have a teen that is, you know, spending his summer in like a <laughs> foreign country, and I, I just feel like that is like my like I love slice of life stories. It's right. just like one of the things I, I just like absolutely love in storytelling. Yeah, and we also discussed how refreshing it was to have this type of story be centered on a a teen of color. Yeah, right. Yeah. Discovering themselves in in like their like heritage yeah like their parents uh birthplace the motherland if you (laughs) if you will uh yeah we talked about that a lot how it is very relatable as asian americans who go back to the motherland if you haven't read the first book go ahead and read it listen to our discussion and then you'll also be excited for this next book (laughs) (laughs) you'll know our feelings on it um so next up we have inkyard acquired tashi buyan's debut novel counting down with you In this romantic contemporary YA novel, a Bangladeshi Muslim teenager navigates the difficulties of independence, family, and first love after being roped into a fake dating facade by a classmate. Publication is scheduled for mid-2021. Oh. Oh, man. Fake relationships. dating is your... (laughs) I love it. I love it. Um, I love that it's it's, it's a classic rom-com trope. But it's a trope that will never die, <laughs> and I hope it never dies. <laughs> I'm all for it. 
Next up, Harper Team bought an untitled queer YA rom-com by Misa Sugiura. The novel follows Nozomi Takashi, who plans to reinvent herself over the summer, starting with a fake dating relationship with her new co-worker Willow and going on adventures with her best friend Ruby in San Francisco. But real life and real feelings eventually find a way into the fake romance. Publication is set for summer 2021. What did I say about fake relationships? Yes, it is a trope that will never die. And I love it. Keep writing those. Yeah. This is um this is a double whammy. It's both the fake relationship and the summer glow up yes. story. <laughs> Man, uh, when is my summer glow up ever going to happen? <laughs> um, but Misa Sugiura, uh, she is the author of uh, This Time Will Be Different. And we talked to her on our podcast a couple of episodes ago. Yeah. Check that out. And her book. Um, this is a very different book from that one, but it's... Yeah, but it's also set in San Francisco. Yeah. So, uh, like, I don't know why I don't really like San Francisco, like, as, like, as a person who visited that city, but, like, I like reading about it in mm. books. I don't know why. Like, the, the reality think, versus... Like, I think the, we all love the idea of San Francisco, especially the idea of what San Francisco was. was. <laughs> and um, Man, some yeah. angry San Francisco people are listening no, to this podcast right if, now. <laughs> if they're really from San Francisco, they understand. They understand. And they know. <laughs> um, it's the New York of the West Coast. Yeah. Uh, or the Brooklyn. The Brooklyn <laughs> of the, <laughs> the West Bedford, The Bedford stop. Oh, man. Uh, Boom Studios bought A Thief Among the Trees, a graphic novel that serves as the official prequel to Sabar Tahir's An Ember in the Ashes series. First in a three-book deal, A Thief Among the Trees explores the paths of Fiverr's Elias, Helene, and Tavi as they begin to confront the harrowing realities of martial rule and find their places in the system. The graphic novel will be penned by Nicole Adelfinger and illustrated by Sonia Lau. Publication is set for summer 2020. I've seen the Ember and the Ashes series around. They have really cool covers. Yeah, right? yeah. They yeah. have really cool covers. And, um, it, you know, it's another, like, kind of Asian-inspired fantasy series. Yeah. Um, it sounds interesting. I, I always wonder, like, I guess it makes sense that authors and, like, creators make prequels after their, you know, magnus opus. Because, I mean, they did they did all that work world building. Might as well. Yeah, like, might as well, right? <laughs> yeah. And um, I apologize if I mispronounced any of the uh, fictional characters' names. That's the thing about fantasy, you know? Like... There are like weird names that yeah. that you don't really know how to pronounce hey. unless they have like a pronunciation guide in like the beginning of the book. I just finished Jade War and I'm pretty sure I'm every pronunciation in my head <laughs> is wrong from that series. So even when yeah. even when fantasy authors like correct readers on like how to pronounce things, I still like revert to my pronunciation of stuff. I mean, wasn't your pronunciation of Hermione Hermione. Yeah, Hermione. <laughs> I mean, how many people didn't realize it was Hermione until, until like, that until first that movie, happened, right? Yeah. And they're like, who's that? Um, it's the same thing with Warcross by Marie Lu, because mm. uh, I thought the main character's name was Emika, but mm. it's actually Emika. Oh. But I just, you know, it's habit, so I just kind <laughs> of call her Emika. Does it really matter in the end? I don't know. I, I mean... Hey, I read the book. That if, is the thing that counts. If, if they were real and they would correct me, then I would say, okay. Okay. Noted. <laughs> right? Um, so next up, first, second acquired illustrator Harmony Becker's Himawari Share, 
a YA graphic novel about three foreign exchange students who live together in a share house in Tokyo. Publication is scheduled for 2021. Is uh, this just Terrace House? Oh my god. Is this I just hope it is. Terrace House, the graphic novel? Um, Harmony Becker is actually the illustrator of George Takei's graphic memoir, oh. uh, They Called Us Enemies. So uh, it's, I mean, it's great that she's doing another uh, graphic novel or graphic medium yeah yeah it this, sounds i don't know i don't know it I sounds like my it, it sounds, sounds like. it sounds like my jam because it is slice of life uh-huh. um ac- i'm actually reading a manga right now um uh is i forgot i forgot the title but it it's literally like a similar premise where oh. it's a share house and it uh there are people of varying ages and they're learning to live together Pretty pretty close to Terrace House in manga form, but there's a little bit more drama and romance to it. Right, not not as low stakes. Yeah, I think I think it's called like Friend House or <laughs> like maybe it's just Boarding House. I like it was a very bland title, so I don't mm. really remember it. If anybody who is listening knows which manga I'm talking about, please leave us a comment on Twitter or in our Goodreads forums. Uh, next up, Green Willow bought rights to Maggie Tokuda Hall's YA graphic novel, Squad. The story follows a clique of teen girls who like to dress up and go to parties, target entitled date rapey bros, turn into wolves, and then eat them. Publication is slated for fall 2021. Damn. Uh, it, it's, it reminds me of, uh, have you seen what, what We Do in the Shadows? The... Series or the movie? The movie. I haven't seen the series yet. I haven't seen the series, but, but I've watched the movie, and it's like one of my favorite movies of all time. But there's that like that pack of werewolves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it. It seems like that, but like more violent. I guess. Um, is it more violent because it is? It is young adult. That's true. If it was like adult graphic novel, it would definitely be like monstrous level of, yeah. of violence. Well, I mean, I, I mean, in terms of like the like. Like eating bros, which is like you know, yeah. sure doing. I, the public I mean, service, I'm all for probably. it. This sounds this sounds pretty badass. <laughs> yeah. Next up, Tundra acquired Peter Lee Field Notes and Observations by Angela On. When the whole family takes a road trip, so Peter can live out his paleontologist dreams at a real life dinosaur dig. Peter realizes that if he teams up with his genius kid sister, maybe his scientific mind can also help his grandmother suffering from dementia. Publication is set for summer 2021, um, and Tundra also acquired a second untitled middle grade novel um, by Angela Ahn as well. Were you a big dinosaur person when you were a kid? I feel like dinosaurs are like a thing that little kids really like. <laughs> I used to um, – oh, this is embarrassing. I used to have a um, – like an obsession with Jurassic Park after it came out. It it sounds on brand for you. And I actually like my brother and I would record a radio program for Jurassic Park on our old like tape deck. So we were you know we were podcasting before podcasting <laughs> even existed. All right, um, and yeah, um, I would say I don't remember being into it, but I would say I probably was if that was what we did <laughs> for make believe. Uh, my my nephews, they're really into dinosaurs. Like mm. they know the name, like the scientific names of dinosaurs, oh. and it's it's very cute because they're so young and they can't pronounce all of the words, so it like <laughs> comes out like all jumbled. But I've noticed that a lot of uh, a lot of kids are really into dinosaurs. I wonder if dinosaurs have changed since I was a kid. Like, what do you mean? Like, like in terms of what they're called, you know? Because like. The thing with dinosaur science is that um, 
everyone's just making guesses on what these dinosaurs might have looked like or might have been. But I don't I don't think the names have changed. Like mm. maybe I mean definitely the illustrations have changed. Yeah. Yeah. But I wonder if any like dinosaur has been like Plutoed, where they're like no longer a dinosaur, you know? Oh, uh, no longer a dinosaur, but just like an ancient whale or Maybe? an ancient chicken. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, next up, Orchard Books at Scholastic bought author illustrator Shirley Chan's debut picture book, Magic is All Around. In the story, a child moves to a new town and shares a fantastical journey with a friend who makes her unfamiliar surroundings feel less daunting. Publication is set for fall 2021. Oh, that sounds really cute. Yeah. Yeah. I used to move around a lot as a kid, so I can relate. And it's probably something that kids can uh, learn and grow from. Yeah. Did you also have an imaginary friend? No. I was way too cynical and practical for that <laughs> as a kid. Oh, Next up, Levine Cuerdo acquired world rights to a YA graphic novel memoir from Jashat Singh Hans. This debut follows the artist's life from New Delhi to Baltimore. Uh or Baltimore, if you're from there, including growing up Sikh, learning how to catch a cricket ball and not die, learning to love his body, becoming an artist, family traditions while watching TV soaps, coming out, his loving and only the tiniest bit suffocating parents, immigrating to the U.S., navigating dating apps, and more. Publication is planned for spring 2022. That's a lot. Yeah, that is a lot. (laughs) That's just like adulting. That is a lot to illustrate. It's a graphic it's a graphic novel memoir. I I don't know why it's termed that way, but it was it, it, uh as always we get our source from Publishers Weekly yeah. and that is how they described it. So I don't f- know if I follow his work, but I wonder if it's similar to Dami Lee's um Be Everything at Once where it's like a bunch of short comics. Oh, maybe, or, maybe, I don't yeah. Know. This is all speculation. It could just be like a giant memoir too. Well, either way, uh, it it sounds interesting. Uh, Next up, we have Amulet acquired Diana Ma's debut novel, Heiress Apparently. This YA novel follows a Chinese-American actress living in L.A. who lands her dream role set to film in Beijing, a city she was forbidden to enter. There, she discovers that she's descended from Chinese nobility. And uh, Amulet also acquired an untitled second book, in the Daughters of the Dynasty series, which follows the fictionalized descendants of a powerful Chinese empress. Oh. So I guess it's another, like, YA in terms of, like, um, like you know, the, the trope of, surprise, you're a princess. Oh, Princess Diaries, in, like, yeah. In, uh, for a Chinese lady. So that's cool. Do you, like... Do you think a lot of Asian parents, when they, like, talk about their heritage or, like, ancestry, they, like, lie to their kids being like, oh, we've des- we're descended from, like, the royal family or nobility? I think it depends. I don't know. I mean, so the emperor of the Han dynasty was was um, named Liu, L-Liu, L-I-U, mm-hmm. which is, like, a pretty common Chinese name, so... I'm sure all of them can claim imperial heritage, probably. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's the how- same with like in like Korean royalty. Um, like there, there are like there, there was like a royal Kim, but like you know, the yeah. Chinese character is different. And there are like <laughs> there are a lot of people with that exact last name, <laughs> and it, it's weird because there's like a lot of, um, you know, like the king 
slept around a lot. So, yeah. <laughs> so you have descendants, but obviously they can't claim uh claim anything. There is there is like um it it is very weird because like Korea is not a monarchy, obviously. Mm. Um and and like uh and like the last remnants of the royal Korean family, they like fled and then they came back. Uh they don't really have any power. It's very like strictly ceremonial and they don't like have a lot of wealth either. Right. And uh the thing is like the Korean royal family like m- a lot of them are Japanese and like ethnically <laughs> because there were like intermarriages in hopes of uh peace which did not work out. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine I imagine did not. Um uh, it's interesting like because I don't know. I want to say nobility in imperial China isn't necessarily the same as like nobility in like medieval Europe. Oh no, definitely know? not. Um, it's it's a different beast because it's, it's not necessarily hereditary because it's all based on imperial appointments. Um, but there were landowners, and I guess that is what they're talking. Yeah. I don't know. I I always laugh when I watch like historical Korean dramas, and they like. And, like, with the English subtitles, there is, like, no equivalent to their title. Yeah. And, like, in the early days, uh, English um, translators would be like, oh, the Duke of blah, blah, blah. And yeah. I'm like, there are no Dukes in Korean <laughs> royalty. Uh, but it's gotten better with just, like, it's like, oh, people who have watched Korean dramas enough, they know, like, what yeah. position this is. I mean, I guess in terms of relative position to the king, I guess Duke would be... I don't like know. A similar thing, but it, it's, it's just yeah. weird when they're like, "Oh, the uh, the Duchess of blah blah blah," and yeah. it's just like Duchess. Like, <laughs> like I don't understand like where these titles are coming from. How are you making a difference yeah. in, in stations? It, it's just really weird. Like in um in 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 TV shows about like the the Three Kingdoms era, a lot of marquises, a lot of like there's still there's dukes also, but it's like yeah. it's not necessarily. To me, it's just like, oh, a rich person in court. Like, that is like, it's just like, I can't keep track of of titles, especially in like medieval literature, like in in, in like, you know, typical high fantasy stuff. I'm like, I don't understand like what the difference is. Whatever. Rich person in court. It is. Um, So our last book deal is... In a two-book deal, Simon Pulse acquired North American rights to K-pop star and fashion mogul Jessica Jung's debut novel, Shine. Pitched as Crazy Rich Asian meets Gossip Girl and drawn from Jung's own experience, the series follows a Korean-American teen thrust into the competitive world of K-pop. Publication for the first book is slated for fall 2020 and the sequel for 2021, and in addition, according to Entertainment Weekly, Glastown Entertainment is currently developing a screen adaptation of the series with Matt Kaplan of Ace Entertainment, who was a producer of the To All the Boys I've Loved Before Netflix adaptation. Bring it back. Yeah, coming <laughs> full circle. I mean, it sounds like this book um, follows a lot of like, like many of the books on our list, mashes together a lot of old tried and true tropes into a new packet uh, into a new like perspective because it's not only like thrust into the world of fame of the k-pop world um but it's also exploring your motherland as a diaspora teen right as a korean american 
I am super excited for this book. There are a lot of K-pop YA novels that are coming out next year and the year after. This is the one that's probably going to be the most authentic, simply <laughs> because it's written by, I guess, like a former K-pop uh, K-pop singer. I'm not sure if Jessica is still producing albums mm. in Korea, Um but uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Jessica Jung, uh, she was a former member of Girls' Generation, which is arguably like one of the biggest uh, girl groups in K-pop history. And, um, you know, uh, Jessica Jung is actually from she, – she was raised in California and then she moved to Korea with her sister to – to follow their dreams in in becoming a K-pop star, and they they went back to Korea like in their adolescence, like because training to be a K-pop star you have to start young. So um, yeah, it will be it'll be very interesting to to read the story, especially yeah. like considering like okay, like a lot of these parts are real. Yeah, and I wonder if it will take place. Back when girl, because when Girls' Generation became a big thing, that was still in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Yeah, that was like maybe like second wave of like the K-pop boom. I I don't know how general. It depends yeah. on like what you deem as like first generation, second generation. But they were one of the the first like big groups. Yeah, right? yeah. They they started out as nine members, and like back then it was like whoa nine members in a girl group that is insane but now you see groups with like 11 members and you don't even bat an eye it's yeah because i remember i remember when i was first introduced to k-pop through some friends it was like three member groups like ses or or like five member groups like yeah. Finkle or yeah baby fox wow i am showing my age <laughs> um but excited for that and excited for the the tv show i think um that's a congrats. I mean, I mean, it's Netflix. It's to all the boys I loved before. Like there is, you know, there is some faith in <laughs> in them. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I'm sure, like, like Jessica Jung is not gonna let her story be be trash on on screen. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of expectations that have to be met. Yeah. Well. Because I'll do it for um, book our deals. book deals. Um, is there any news? Uh, we have a few short news. Um, the first piece of news is Oprah's Book Club is set to premiere on Apple TV Plus on November 1st. And uh, the show is apparently um, like they're going to interview a bunch of authors on camera. Oh. And that's going to be the show. Um, interesting. Uh, Oprah's book club. It it's been a long running thing, <laughs> um, and a lot of uh, writers of color have been introduced through Oprah's book club. So yeah. I I am curious as to see like which guests they'll be bring bringing onto the show. We need a TV show, Books and Boba. I don't want to show my face on camera. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and uh, I guess like another short piece of news is the National Book Awards long list was announced uh, last night or today. I'm not sure, but it was recently announced. Right. And uh, they'll be announcing the winners in November. 
And um, congratulations to all of the nominees. But uh, I'm going to just highlight the Asian we writers. We, we, because only, of we, our, only, we only care about those. Because anyways. of our concept of the show. <laughs> um, congratulations to Susan Choi, the author of Trust Exercise, uh, for being nominated for Best Fiction. And congratulations to Yoko Ogawa, uh, the author of The Memory Police, which has been nominated for Best Translated Literature. And uh, that's all I have. I'm pretty sure I missed a bunch of book news. So please feel free to share in our book news thread on Goodreads forums. Let us know what's going on. Um, and on that note, I guess that'll also do it for this episode of Books and Boba. Vera, thank you again for compiling everything for us. There's a lot of stuff coming out. I feel like we were, the summer was pretty light, right? In terms of deals. I think and stuff. so, yeah. But like, wow, we had so many. It's because we're approaching a uh, holiday season, and that's when like all of the big releases are coming out <laughs> so people can buy them for, for family members. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and yeah, don't forget our October 2019 book club pick is Summer of Big Bocce by Naomi Hirahara. We'll be discussing that at the end of the month. So please read along and let us know your thoughts so we can um, bring them up during the discussion as well. And I just want to say a quick thank you to the people who have been uh, commenting on past book club picks. <laughs> I uh, I love seeing people like talk about old books that we've talked about on the show uh, because then I'm like, oh, what did we talk about on the show? And then I read people's comments, and I'm like, oh, that's what we talked about on the show. Uh, about on the show. And it's nice to like hear uh, differing opinions because you know, obviously, not everyone is going to like the book that we pick pick out. Yeah, I'm just glad people are enjoying our, our discussions because I never know how well they'll go over. Yeah. Um, it's but... like I forget whenever like whenever we finish recording, I forget what I say on the <laughs> shows. So, yeah, thank you to everyone who has been following us, uh, who have been engaging and commenting, um, giving us reviews on Apple. Um, we really do appreciate it. And we do love to see how big our community has grown. Um, so, yeah, um, please keep sharing with us what you're reading what's your thoughts about our book picks and we look forward to uh continuing this relationship now that we're setting off into our fourth year as a book club um and on that note um thanks again for listening see you next time on books and boba all right bye thanks for listening to books and boba this episode was hosted by marvin yue and Ri Yu and produced and edited by marvin yue this podcast was recorded at the Potluck Podcast Studios located within the Visual Communications offices in downtown Los Angeles. You can learn more about Visual Communications and their programs such as the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival by going to their website at bcmedia.org. Thanks also to the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian-American-hosted podcasts that Books and Boba is a proud member of. You can learn more about our fellow Potluck Podcast by checking out the website podcastpotluck.com. This is Taz. And this is Zara. And we are the Good Muslim, Bad Muslim podcast. It is a show about being two Muslim women in America. We talk about pop culture, the pork lobby, periods. And we talk about Islamophobia, patriarchy, and smashing white supremacy. It's a range. Download the Good Muslim, Bad Muslim podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
or at goodmuslimbadmuslim.com.